Quit. Making a life. How do you make? How do you make? How do you keep and make a line while at the same time realizing and understanding and keeping in mind with this moral or whatever it is line that life is relative in so many ways. In so many ways. Is a question that I've been thinking about for the last couple of days. And I don't really know what the solution is to this question because it involves a lot of guesswork. It involves a lot of present moment thinking. It involves a lot of fluid cognition. It's not something that you can do. You just come to a decision and then that's it. Because life is ever changing. It's ever moving. And with life comes responsibility to ever change and ever move as well. I mean, you could stay the same and 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 in theory, but <sighs> I'm about to go to bed after this episode. But anyways, you could stay the same in theory, but life changes. You change. We all change in some way, shape, or form. And when life changes, when it, which it does, it requires different results from the morals that you have in your mind from the last changes, whatever those were. And so you have to sometimes make things up on the fly. And things aren't just going to be able to be fulfilled by your particular moral system. Um, plus, when you when you get to a certain level of understanding and development and contemplation, where you realize that life and all this stuff is really relative, it becomes very easy to forget that even if it is relative, we have to have a line somewhere. And where that we draw on the sand, otherwise we find ourselves doing what we ourselves would call immoral acts. And if we don't do this consciously, we do it unconsciously, and it becomes unhealthy, and it becomes a dogma, or it becomes, you know, very sloppy, and becomes something that's basically where you you basically mimic society's morals which isn't always not a good idea you know I've, I've seen both extremes to this where like the right and I'm not even just talking the right is in the moral right but the right wing is very guilty of this both parties are very guilty of this actually but the right side if you're the right or the left or whatever. And I'm not or the right or the wrong. Not the right or left, sorry. Um, side of this argument. You know, the, the moral people say there's no, there's no changing of the line. But the problem with this is that when you have this illusion that there is no change, it creates... When you have this idea that there's, there's no changing the line, that creates an illusion that reality is objective 
And we see this not just with morals, but in science and with other things. And this, we create this illusion that things don't change when they do. They clearly and plainly obviously do, but because the mind has this illusion of staticity, uh, or the world being static, you know, we then make this assumption that we have to have this line, and this line can never change, or, or rarely, change, rarely change. But life is never never really all that black and white. It's, it's shades of gray, and you have to figure out how to operate within those shades of gray. It's only black and white if you're a dogmatist. It's only black and white if you're a, a, a moralist and a, a truthist, where something is either true or it's false, and, and nothing in between. And when, when in reality, truth is much, more uh, complex than it seems. And <clears throat> then you have the other side of this where when, when people realize this, and I did this for a, a while, they go, okay, so there is no relative truth. All cultures are the same. All morals are the same. And so no morals are better than any other morals. And basically the line is zero. The line is, there's too much change. There's too much fluctuation. And it creates an unhealthy, imbalanced uh, system and mind. So what is the solution to this problem is, I think, consciousness um, I think it's the ability to think on your feet. I think it's the ability. I think it's the ability to realize and understand that what we're dealing with in in, in regards to this line isn't black and white. It's it's not only shades of gray even, but it's consciousness. It's becoming more conscious. I think of our particular dogma. Becoming more conscious of, you know, what that is and becoming more honest about it, if not to others than ourselves, that this is a dogma. Becoming honest that these dogmas, basically anything that you're really sure of, in a sense, almost becomes a dogma. And then the mind, it may not seem like a dogma, but the mind ends up making it a dogma in many cases especially it's like a you know a stage blue element um a spiral spiral dynamics is you know the stage blue situation is very you know it's a, it's a very dogmatic stage and that's what we're really seeing everywhere that we look, we can see this in politics, we can see this in science and certain paradigms of science, certain paradigms of, you know, the left and the right, certain paradigms of, you know, what we should do and why and, and all this other stuff. And I think the answer to this revolves around spiral dynamics actually because 
all of the diff- all of these different moral systems, you know, revolve around one of these levels of, of spirodynamics, whatever it is. Um, in some ways, I think, you know, the more secular is the, the only exception, exception that's not necessarily moral uh, in the sense that we understand the word moral to being, but it's moral in the sense of, you know, and, and you know, liberty and, and uh, individualism so that people can come to their own conclusion. Um, and so the same way, I think the solution is to use as healthy as possible as healthily as possible all of the stages of the spiral um and this could take many different forms and the problem with this is you know the problem with talking about this is that the the moral levels that we're dealing with are so relative even though they don't seem relative that but but even though they don't seem relative they're so relative that you know somebody who's looking outside looking from the outside looking within go is going what, what is what is all this fighting about there's something it's not that old it's not all that you know complex it's very relative it's more it's either more complex or it's, it's it's very, very relative. It's one of those, you know, answers. And the truth is, it is very relative. These illusions of black and white the mind has is all based on assumptions that you, you have. And really, I think the, the, the goal of spiritual work is to question all of these assumptions. If not question them, to, to, to at least notice that they're, that they're there. Because often we don't even notice they're there, and... When we don't notice that they're there, they become absolutes. They become default positions, which are basically positions that are not seen as positions, but are seen as facts, as truths, as whatever it is. And these assumptions become the territory and your mind even though they're not a territory and so we become rigid as a result very rigid and very dogmatic and we're we're looking at a very limited vista of reality most of the time because we can't look at all of reality at once you know, because if we did, I don't, I don't, you know, we wouldn't be able to understand it. We wouldn't be able to make sense of it. So we can only see a very limited vista of reality, whatever that is. And so as a result, we have certain assumptions about reality based on this limited vista of reality, or we, or the assumptions that we have, or we make certain assumptions based on this limited vista, or we make moral judgments based on these limited vistas, whatever it is. You know, say, you know, somebody does something, we make a moral judgment based on that thing, even though we don't know 
the context from uh, behind why they did this thing, the the understandings that created this behavior, whatever it is. There's all kinds of parts of this. There's infinite parts of this that are not necessarily seen because reality is infinite in scope and form and understanding. Um, and the same thing you could be said for the spiral dynamics because the deeper that the more that you go into spiral dynamics the deeper it seems to get like you know a year six months ago it felt very much like where I was in spiral dynamics was very deep and it couldn't go a whole lot deeper but it, it can it goes deeper and then it goes deeper and deeper and deeper Unless we have these assumptions which try and force that process to not happen, which, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't stop it completely, but it does, to some extent, f force it from not going too far. And when things go against these assumptions, whatever it is, it creates suffering because it creates all these problems. And so the mind is holding on to all of these things that are actually creating the suffering that it's trying to avoid by holding on to all these things in some ways. In some ways, it's useful for the mind to do this because all these assumptions are for its survival. Not just physical survival, but survival as a species, survival as a, as a social creature in your family or in your society or whatever. You know, if you're stage orange in a stage orange secular world view, um, like we have in the you know, West and you decided to become stage red you know that wouldn't really fit with stage orange and you would be you know outcasted and even probably put in prison for various reasons because you may become a criminal as a result or whatever and if you were to try and be become stage orange in a stage red area you would find yourself outcast as well you may even find yourself dead because they would probably kill you for doing this they, because you're violating their sacred you know stage whatever it is or if you're a stage in a stage blue area and if you try and become more stage green or orange they will kill you for for that as well or red, whatever it is. And so each and every one of us are trying to survive slash keep an alignment, an alignment in place. And this alignment could be being likable, being liked, being loved by others, being loved by your family, your society, your whatever it is. And so as a result, you create these moral systems. Or no, you don't create these moral systems. You're, you reinforce the moral systems that you've been raised with, or you reinforce the secular system you've been raised with, or whatever the case is. And when we do this, 
it usually is unconscious. It's usually not done in an honest way. Um, and so it creates dishonesty, creates corruption, creates all these problems that we're seeing everywhere in the West right now. It's one of the reasons why capitalism is... I think one of the reasons why corruption is as big as it is is because um, there's a system-wide belief system, in a sense, in our cultures, societies, whatever that culture is. could be Islam, could be, you know, the culture of the West, whatever it is, which allows corruption to fester because nobody questions that worldview if they are their outcast or whatever. I mean, in the West, it's a little better than that, but still. It allows it to fester because it's a common, popular, you know, spiral dynamics level, whatever that level is. Um, and recording duration: seventeen minutes, four seconds. I really don't know what the solution to this is because what we're dealing with currently isn't a dilemma of who is wrong or right here. It's a dilemma of what works and or and or how do we become moral but while being being conscious and how do we become more conscious without Uh, losing the those lines of morale morality completely, which is what sometimes is what happens to some extent. I mean, not completely because I think there's a element of survival that can't you know completely make it disappear. But I still think there is a a line there, but that line is. Um, you know, in those extreme cases, it's it's very easily moved. It's too easily moved to where it creates chaos and it creates all these problems in your life and your mind to to where you can't really understand what's happening. You don't know what's going on, and that's what we have currently in in a lot of ways. We don't we're confused. We don't understand the reality in life, and the reason is because we have these lines that we don't understand are there, or if we do understand that they're there they move too rapidly and too extremely that we can't really make sense of what's going on. Um, I was talking about this in, in, in another context with somebody else the other day, but it is something that I've thought about a little bit be, uh, since then because this problem is something really fundamental to mind and reality when we're dealing with mind and reality you know what most people to do is they say okay so there's an objective reality here there's an objective morality here whatever that is and that's what we go to and that's what we look to but the problem is that there is no objective reality there's no objective reality i mean a lot of people want to say this there's a there's an objective reality 
But what evidence for there is this? For is is there for this? Where is it said in science that there is an objective reality? There's nothing in science that says states that there is an objective reality, and that this particular material reality that we're seeing around us is actually an objective reality. In fact, we actually are, you know, being told the opposite in science. In a lot of ways, we're being told that it's an hallucination by, by the brain. But what makes you think that the brain is? If that's true, that this is all a hallucination by the brain, what makes you think the brain is real and that objective reality is real? And that there is an objective reality in the first place. It's an assumption created by science. And all these assumptions, you know, that that being one of them is what keeps all of, the, of this in place. And... Once you have these assumptions in place, when they're questioned, you have to defend against them. You have to survive the onslaught uh, against these assumptions, whatever that, that, that onslaught is. Maybe that onslaught takes uh, the toll of science, some scientific experiment that shows, you know, that, that, that explains that, you know, objective reality, it may not necessarily be objective reality. Whatever it is, and so you have to explain, you have to defend, you have to attack the other person position, and defend the position that you're in, which is the soldier mindset. That's that's I think the the number one way I think that soldier mindset ha- happens is through assumption and through then defending the assumption that you have, because there's something, some identity, that is being threatened, some survival identity. Some identity that needs to survive because that identity is, you know, perhaps used to make your career that you're in. Or perhaps it's a identity that you hold to be very dear and very true and very real. And so when somebody questions this, it literally, and if you question this, it literally destroys your reality doesn't mean that's necessarily that, that that if you question all of your assumptions that you're going to like the body is going to disappear the body may disappear but what is going to happen is that your the map is going to disappear your reality is going to disappear and that's really what you're seeing you're not looking at reality when when you're looking at these assumptions and stuff you're looking at the map of reality but the mind confuses the map for the territory meaning the mind confuses these assumptions to be reality or it assumes it it assumes that science is the territory rather than the map that helps to understand the territory but actually, it's in, in reality, it's actually more like a map that helps you understand more maps. You know, whatever those maps are. And those maps can help you understand a system-wide level of maps, but they're still maps. 
and they're not really giving you territory. You have to look at territory called reality for yourself and go, okay, so this is the territory. But science doesn't do this. It doesn't tell you that what it is doing is creating a map necessarily. It claims that this map is objective reality. That it is claiming that it is looking at objective reality. Um, oh god, there's so many goddamn assumptions like this. And all of these assumptions create your your mind reality. Your, they create your reality. And these this reality is then used to make sense of reality. The map that you're using... The, the map is then used to make sense of reality, which is why it's so important to your survival. And, which, and it's, this, which is why it's so vehemently defended and attacked and... and which is why you so vehemently attack other positions from this position that you're in. Which is what's called directionally motivated reasoning. It's pure bias. Recording duration, 25 minutes, 20 seconds. Um, I don't know exactly what the solution is. I don't know how to fix the problem because we're, we're dealing with isn't something you know what we're talking about what we're hoping to do isn't something that's really done you know there's no real manual to consciously create a a moral system that can be you know adjusted a little bit on the fly Um, to suit certain situations. Because if I ever say this, and, you know, like I just did, you know, the, the response by a lot of moral people is that, well, if you do that, then you're not moral, that's not moral, and all this other stuff. But the problem with this is that your your morals, even the people who claim to be moral, you know, the Catholic Church, for instance, claims its morals to be moral in themselves to be moral, but then you have priests who do all these immoral things that we know about that they do. This is what what happens when you have a moral system. You your moral system is it's not conscious and it's mechanical and it allows for corruption because it's not consciously understood and, and, and seen as a as uh, it's not consciously pursued in a conscious moral manner. Uh, and so we have unconscious morals. We have robotic morals. We have mechanical morals. And these morals don't really fix the situation. And they don't really help you to really be moral. Because really what we're looking for is to be... almost like moral from a directed inner core versus moral from some dogma that you have in your head, some some map. The, the moral system comes from consciousness itself, comes from being 
recognizing things purely and consciously and being honest consciously and from that place being moral consciously not 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 by parroting some kind of moral system you know like be loving be what be be whatever it is but by consciously being honest with yourself in this situation and from that place you're now in a directed inner core and you can you know make your moral decision whatever it is but it's not done from a place of ideology it's not done from a place of dogma it's done from a place of inner truth and wisdom Um, and this inner truth and wisdom is not something that's given to us and it's not something that you can be taught it's not something that you can memorize and go okay so this is what's true and this is what's wise and this is what's moral it's something that is more something that you can become directly conscious of as actualized that work says um it's so funny actually because I was listening to this podcast that he did with somebody and he made this good point which I didn't you know I, I never really considered which basically stated because one of the problems that I had with his work was that he was, he made this argument that said you can directly become conscious of, of something, especially through psychedelics and all this other stuff. <laughs> and so he made this point. Uh, I still don't necessarily think you can become directly conscious of something through psychedelics or any other thing more, but it is something to consider what he, what he said here. So what he said was, basically it, you know, all experience, knowledge, understanding, whatever comes from consciousness. And so if you don't think that you can become direct, directly conscious of something, you're, you're, mess, you're fucked, basically. And that you really have no real solution until you directly become conscious of the fact that you can directly become conscious of something. Um, and it was a really interesting point because most people, and I've talked about this before, don't get me wrong, but most people, what they do is they don't become directly conscious of things for the most part. What they do is they look to the outside and go, what can I do what is real what is true what is reality what is this whatever it is but what I have been trying to do not really with psychedelics but with other things is to become directly conscious of other modes of understanding other ways of doing these things and sometimes that means undoing and a lot of ways, I think it means undoing 
past assumptions. The only way to truly and directly become conscious of something is to undo all the assumptions, undo all the assumptions that associated with whatever this thing is. Um, for instance, if you want to become directly conscious of mystical knowledge, you would have to undo all your assumptions about mystical knowledge. You know, like a materialist-minded person would be have these assumptions like where mystical, you know, knowledge is dumb and, you know, all this other stuff. And he would have to question all of this and undo all of this so that he can directly become conscious of these things. Not that I don't think he can't become directly conscious of these things before that, but it would be filtered through these assumptions, and so it wouldn't be as useful to him in that situation. And so in the same way, in some ways, I think with morals, it's the same way. You have to become directly, in order to become directly conscious of what could be considered to be moral, you have to undo all assumptions about morals, and I think you have to undo a, a bunch of assumptions about other things as well, too, like self. What is the self? Is the self real? <laughs> because we have a lot of assumptions about that. <laughs> because when talking about morals, you know, most people, they, they talk about morals, and for the most part, they leave it there. But actually, when it comes to morals, uh, the thing to understand is that there's a deep sense of self in this topic. There's a, dense, there's a deep uh, sense of survival and, and identity in this topic because when you talk about morals, you have to understand it in the greater context of self and identity. And of attachment to a certain dogma. Uh, and also the survival aspect that I've been talking about when it comes to other things. And also the assumptions underlying the morals and all this other stuff. So those are a bunch of things that would, you would have to undo in order to really come to understand morals and and to really create a bigger, better moral system that's not based on just ideology and dogma, but is actually based on reality, based on consciousness, at least. Uh, um, and I think the best example, the best understanding of what reality could be uh, basically boiled down to is consciousness. Consciousness is reality. <clears throat> One twelve a.m. And reality isn't necessarily objective, as I've said before. I think just like mystical understandings, 
you would have to undo all assumptions about that. In order to undo mystical, uh, in order to have mystical insight, you would have to undo a bunch of other assumptions as well. Not just assumptions about mysticality, because there's also other assumptions around that. Like, perhaps there's the assumption that I can't Maybe somebody who's enlightened, like Jesus, can have a mystical experience, but I can't. 64% charge. Or perhaps the assumption is scientific-related and materialistic-minded related. And it often revolves around materialism and science an objective reality and the idea that all of these mystical experiences whatever it is is happening in a brain is and that what you're seeing in reality is a hallucination although that is actually true like I said so that's not really an assumption but you would have to undo the materialism that that comes with that assumption because mostly it's coming from the place of materialism when you make that argument from about hallucination. And I think the, I think the biggest <clears throat> assumption under or a question under that could be underpinning all of these assumptions that could be underdoing undoing all of these assumptions is why must there be an objective reality at all? Why is it that, or any any number like of questions like these, why is objective reality not just consciousness? Or is there? Why does there have to be an objective reality at all? Why isn't objective reality consciousness itself? Or what? part of science proves that there is an objective reality um, and be careful here because the mind is slippery and it will tell you that the scientific method and all this other stuff proves objective reality but the problem here is that even if that is true which it isn't really because it's an assumption and that's an assumption that I've you know, bought into it for, for a very long time, and it's still something that I'm dealing with. Don't get me wrong, but even if that is true, that the scientific method is proving something objectively, which it isn't, the thing to understand here is that it, that is coming from subjective reality. It's coming from consciousness. It's coming from you. It's coming from a bunch of other people as well. And there have been cases, and there are many ways in showing this, where many people can be wrong about something. But not just that, but even if it, it is objective, the problem here is assuming that there is... Well, there's a couple of problems here. One of them is assuming that there has to be something behind the subjectivity of reality. You know, like material, you know, like 
you know, experiences and all this other stuff. The second part is that even if there is an objective reality, we're experiencing it subjectively. There's no way to experience objective reality, and there's no way to actually study objective reality because it's all in subjectivity. You cannot escape the fact that it's in subjectivity. You cannot escape the fact that it's in consciousness. Um, and this is important because, you know, objectivity in a lot of ways is seen as something that should be beyond consciousness, beyond subjectivity, beyond experience and all this other stuff. But nothing can be such a thing, such a thing, because if it is, it can't be observed, it can't be known, it can't be seen. And, and at least that's what it would you would almost have to boil boil it down to because that's basically where it would have to end up being going. It can't be observed, it can't be known, it can't be seen. <laughs> Thus I ask the question, if that's the case, why find it? Why look for it? Um you know, perhaps there is something behind this consciousness. Or perhaps there isn't. But why does there have to, why why would there have to be something behind consciousness? You know, that would that would make for making another assumption that is something like, well, because saying anything else like would be illogical or whatever. But that's another assumption. You know, there's a bunch of assumptions baked into logic itself. And there's a bunch of assumptions baked into science and the scientific method itself. A lot of them having to do with science being objective. And that there being, that you know, that there is a material reality and all this other stuff. And there's no God and all this other stuff. But not realizing that there's assumptions baked into the... the, the reality, so to speak, of science. And I don't, you know, I think it's, I don't think it's, you know, like scientists fall. Like I said, I don't think it's about blaming anybody for this. I don't think it's about blaming the moralists for any of this. It's about realizing that all of this, all of it, is because of unconsciousness. It's because of all the assumptions that we hold to be true, dear, you know, valuable, whatever it is. And recording duration. Left recording duration. Forty-two minutes, fifty-nine seconds. As a result, we we kind of like lose ourselves in the assumption, lose ourselves in the map, rather than becoming aware of the territory. Uh, understanding the actual territory fluidly with fluid cognition and then going, okay, so this is what I can do from this point. You know, that that's going to change and that could change in the future, but that's what I can do in this perfect moment, whatever this moment is. Versus somebody not doing that and 
find themselves in a bunch with a bunch of errors and all this other other stuff. But you know, it, it is a hard question. And ultimately, I think it's about honesty. It's about integration of all of the Sparrow, of the Sparrow dynamics. It's about truly understanding and being honest with oneself about oneself's uh, assumptions, survival uh, needs, you know, which aren't just physical, but are, you know, other things like food, you know, love, you know, shelter, um, actualization itself, which, you know, it's a, it's a very complex need of the mind. And there's other needs as well, you know, that are not physical, but are social related and are tribal related in a sense, because the mind is very tribal because it's, you know, you know, been programmed by evolution and other stuff. So, if I, you know, find any way of doing this, I will be making pre uh, other episodes, but this is, for the moment, this is a, a deeper perspective, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Rachel, stop.